We've been look we've been looking at the body of Christ and primarily uh, really stimulated me to think about it when it said many are sick among you because you are and some dead uh, because you don't rightly discern or understand the body of Christ and so we've been talking about the body of Christ being Jesus earthly body about the body of Christ being Jesus resurrected body a glorified body we've been can you not hear Okay, you want to come stand with me? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I can't. Um, what do you need? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take. We're having trouble with this. Oh, oh. Okay. I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. You're going to be okay. I used to get uptight about stuff like this. It's like, who cares? What? Amen. Delivered. Feel set free. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about family today. Body, his body, also being you. For Christ dwells. He, he should be the head of your life. You don't belong to yourself, right? You're bought with a price, right? You're called by His name because you've received His forgiveness. And you've honored Him as Lord and Savior in your life. <clears throat> if you haven't, just listen to what we're going to say today. What I'm going to say. Also, his body, the church, his body, us, related to one another. But it's like a body. It's like a family. Because the family, the body, the church, what else? Bride? Right? You just hear the word bride and you, it's, it's intimate. We're, we're talking about an intimate relationship. And this... Is what we have with our God. He's not just somebody who created everything and then just, like Bette Midler said, from a distance. He's watching us, watching us. No, he lives in us. It's, it's, it's a hard concept for a lot of people to grasp, but the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, can quicken that or make it real and really comprehensible, maybe not in our mind, but in our spirit and in our soul, which is important. So we talk about we talked about some of the things about his body, but I want to talk about the relational aspect of his body. And it's going to some have some to do with our relationship to the Lord, but it's going to have a lot to do about our relationship with one another and how really important it is, and that we cultivate those things. And that sometimes it's scary, but what casts out fear? Perfect love. And that's what we have with one another. And sometimes you may feel like you're just giving love and not receiving any. But you've received. We've received everything. We've been loved to a degree that no one else can match. Through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He gave his life. Greater love has no man 
than to lay down his life for his friend. But we can emulate that. We can practice that. We can, in our own feeble human way, we can develop that kind of freedom in our lives, trusting the Lord to have those kinds of relationships. But it's a choice. Sometimes it's a choice every week. Sometimes it's a choice every day. Sometimes it's a choice every minute. Sometimes you're in the middle of making the choice and have to recommit. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been there? And why is that most difficult with the ones closest to us? Interesting relationships. Jesus had relationships, very close relationships with three guys, right? But then he had the twelve as well. And he had a relationship with them. It was a little different. Then he had a relationship with the seventy, right? And then the multitudes. But it's all relationship, and it's all relationship, relational. Now, a really special thing about the relationship that we have with the Lord now is that we can have the intimacy that the three had because he lives in us. And we live in him. And as God, not restricted by only his body, but the Holy Spirit, is able to be with all of us individually, intimately. Isn't that good? That's good. We're going to talk about us being in him and him being in us. And how important that is. Kathy and I spent Thanksgiving uh, with our daughter Emily and her family in, uh, in Roswell, Georgia. And we took mom with us. And uh, it, it was indeed a family event. How many of you got a, a chance to be with some family this, this year for Thanksgiving, right? How many were with other people that were close to you and could be called family? James, I hear you were. Yeah? Yeah. Because the body of Christ is his family. So whether or not we have blood family close to us, we have Christ close to us. And if we will choose, we can have similar family type relationships with one another in the body of Christ. And what I really want to accomplish today, if I can, is to communicate the reality that we are family. And that we are that kind of family. The reality is, because of our physical limitations, I can't be with you like I can my physical family. I can't. But I have a relationship pretty much with all of you on different planes. But the potential for intimate relationship is always there. And if God called it, if God called it, hear me, if God called it, it could be like that. Instantaneously. If we're willing. If we're willing to let the Holy Spirit lead and live and empower us. Are you with me? I want us to start thinking differently. I want us to start thinking with the understanding that the potential for that kind of relationship within the body of Christ is always there. And that we begin to actually look for it. We begin to actually look for the opportunities to give ourselves to one another. Are you with me? Because most of the time, we really don't think that way. I mean... This is a generality, and you for you, each one of you as individuals, more or less, this is true. Could be more true. Could be less true. But the fact, 
that we need to understand that the potential is there. And we need to be paying attention to the opportunities that we have. It's not something we need to force. It's not something that we need to plan. Although planning sometimes is good. To have someone someone over for dinner, the Lord asks you. It takes a little bit of planning. But it's not something that's conjured, if you will. It's a relationship that's actually already established in heaven. Are you hearing me? It's already established. It is. It's up to us to understand that it is and to walk in it. That's the choice that we have. We have an opportunity to practice the kind of relationship that, in fact, we all long for. It's in our poetry, it's in our music, it's in the writings, it's, it's in our studies, psychological studies, it's, it's sociological studies. It's there. God placed it there because he made us to be family. And when we're not in that, we're not fulfilled to the degree that he desires for us to be. Are you with me? Now, if the body of Christ... Could function. Just imagine with me. Is the body of Christ actually functioned like that? Wow. Wow. Somebody would know if you're in the hospital. Because somebody has a relationship with you. I can't know. Everybody. But somebody knows somebody. Right? And if we're open to that kind of serving relationship, we'll also receive what God has designed for that kind of relationship. Well, mom went with us, so we had four generations. Four generations. Now, I will tell you that the fourth generation was reared, is being reared, much differently than the first generation that was represented there. (laughs) Now, it takes grace, right, to let it go. Mom's tongue was rather bloody after the... Like, just kidding. <laughs> you did great, Mom. I mean, it's hard for me sometimes. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh. But we are family. We are related. There has to be grace to accept, receive, live with, interact with people that are different than we are. You know, I wish the Lord would just let us like pick and choose who's, who we're going to be next to in heaven. You know, it's like, no, I don't want that one next door. Now this, oh, that, that one, that's, that's a good one. And I, I think he just grins and says, well, I, I have a plan that you know not of. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, a better one, ultimately, exactly. But he wants us to have that potential that we're open to whatever. I used to say. A stranger is a friend that I haven't yet met. It's a mindset. It's thinking. Now, the older I get and the more times I'm burned, it's a little more difficult, you know, to hang in that place. But God has called us to that place, right? Wow. Jesus, friend of sinners. Hmm. Huh. Huh. So it's good. And he's called us to be like him, right? So, 
While we were down there, we cooked. I didn't cook. Well, I turned the sausage once. We cooked. We watched the movies. We played corn bag toss. That's my name for it. We shot basketball. We played cards. Lots of cards. And some tried to do a little Black Friday shopping. Uh, not this one. <laughs> but family is not a theory or a concept to us. It's life. It's life. It's real. It's relational. There was a lot of interaction on many levels. Memories, decisions, correction, instruction, laughter. And did I mention games? Yes. All with plenty of dialogue about all kinds of things. One, one, one little, uh, the youngest, Everett, uh, he's not that social in a, in a crowd, but he and I walked over to Ace Hardware and I was going to pick up some things. And, uh, man, we just talk, 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 talk. Boy, does he talk when he's just with you, right? When he's just one-on-one. On one. I mean, it was great. I mean, I got to say something like he was telling me about all the sneaky things that he and his friends do. And I said, you know what integrity is? <laughs> See, opportunity, opportunity, you know, very natural, you know. Opportunity is doing the right thing when nobody else is watching, right? Is that, is that a good one? So anyway, so, so I'm going to ask him next time I see him. I said, do you remember what integrity is? <laughs> but that's family. That's family. That's part of family, being family. Our faith, our convictions, the belief system that we call Christianity is distinctly relational and active. It's active. You don't just sit around waiting for some relationship to come to you. We keep our eyes open. And when God said there's one, we do it. We do it. Yeah, but God, we don't really, you know, they, uh, I don't really. The Lord will give you what you need. And if he's chosen you to relate to a person, there's a reason. There's a reason. And he'll make the way if we'll be comfortable and just trust him. Are you with me? And my wife said, my wife Kathy, you know my wife Kathy? Forty years yesterday. Woo! Yeah! Amazing. That's amazing. It'll make, we look at each other and just go, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> but she told me that, remind everyone that you don't need to just sit around and wait for someone to call you. That you can pick up the phone. You can invite someone over. You can do, there are some realities of relationship that God has placed in us that desire. How did God do it? Did he just sit up in heaven and go, Hey, G! Hey, HS! Reckon they will figure it out? Reckon they'll... Uh, we're just... You know, we're up here in heaven. And if they want to come, they could just... They could, They need to, you know, get them a spaceship or something and, uh, and come on up here. And uh, no, no, no. You know what? He sent his own son down to earth to be like the, 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 was, those that were created in him. Put on a cross. Amen? So that he could open up the way to relationship. To relationship. To family. And we do the same thing. We need to learn 
from our God and from Jesus. How do you develop relationships? Use your telephone. Use whatever opportunities you have. But be, be led by the Spirit. It's not something you force, but it's something you're always ready for. Okay. First John. Got a lot of Scripture. Good, good Scripture. And I want us to take note. I'm going to give you some things that are going to come up like two or three times in different Scriptures by different writers of the New Testament. First of all, in First John 1, 1. See, first of all, First John 1, 1 through 10. <laughs> What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus, and the life was manifested. And we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. I'm glad he just didn't sit around in heaven. Waiting for us to figure it out. And was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So that you too, watch this, may have fellowship with us. All of that. And you're expecting some amazing theological statement here. You know? And he comes up with, so that we could have fellowship. I don't. No, if we always understand, in fact, we probably don't, understand how critical the fellowship issue is. It's why we have love one another right here. It's relational. And God died to have relationship, to purchase you for relationship. That's amazing. You. You. Me. So he tells us this. John Rison says that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. There was joy when John saw fellowship among the brethren and sisters. Is that not good? Do we see joy? Do we sense joy when we see each other relating well? How about your children? Those of you who had children and reared children, it's like... It tears you up inside when you see them fighting and bickering and teasing and tick, 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 tick. Oh, man, I saw plenty of that. Tick, 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 tick. But there is tremendous joy when you see them enjoy each other. Right? Shoot hoops together. Play games together without arguing. I mean, <laughs> wow. Isn't that something? But that's the way Father God is. He really really gets tremendous joy out of seeing us relate well together. I get tremendous joy out of seeing us relate well together. It's more important than this building. This building could go up in smoke. Or maybe, I don't know, wouldn't, wouldn't burn very well. But <laughs> we could lose a lot of things, a lot of physical things. But as the church, as the bride, if we lose our fellowship, if we lose our relationships... We're done. We may not have the fanciest lighting or the best sound system. (laughs) But we have relationship. Some of us have not grasped how important that is. Some of us have. 
that people will be, well, people are longing for real relationship. We can entertain, but what we really need is relationship. This is the message, verse 5. We have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. That's powerful language. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in, Himself is in the light, we have what? Good doctrine. Huh. We have correct understanding. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, that's a critical statement. We're going to look at that again later on. His Son cleanses us from all sin. Because sin, well, we're going to get there. Just remember that. If we say we confess our sin, if we say that we are, have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous, has integrity, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In fact, we're the righteousness of Christ when we believe, right? Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. And that's some hard words. We're going to balance them out here. Now, sin, I believe, is the destroyer of relationships. With our Heavenly Father and with one another. Sin is rooted, listen to this, in self-serving in various forms. Sin is rooted in self-serving in various forms. It's all, this is the thing, it's all about me. And someone else is always to blame. Ooh. Ooh. It's all about me and someone else is to blame. That's like the root of sin right there. I think. We even sometimes blame God for the broken relationships we experience, the hurt we feel. As though someone has held a gun to our heads and made us feel this way. We can't always control what happens to us, but we are responsible for who, for how we react and respond to what happens to us. Don't, don't, uh, we're going to pick those things up again. James 1, 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. This is like the quintessential own your stuff verse. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Own it. By his own lust. Then, when lust is conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. There it is again. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death every time. Death to relationships. That's where death to relationships come from. 
Our choices. Sin. Not living according to Father's instruction manual. I want to interject something here. Man, if somebody could get me some more water, that'd be great. Really appreciate it. We look at sin, and all of us has a little different definition or understanding of sin, right? You with me? I mean, we do. If you ask, you know, okay, what is sin? Well, sin is transgression of the law. Well, that's what the Bible says. And so we know that. But then we have all kinds of concepts of sin. Don't, don't, I mean, there's either, oh, but we can pretend like there's no such thing as sin. And then we don't have any problems. Wrong. Wrong, because sin is still happening. Because sin is simply not living according to the laws that God has established. Transgression of the law. In other words, you do something that is not in the design of the Creator. Are you with me? Not something, you're doing something that's not in design of the Creator. It's like when if you just said, you know what? I don't believe in gravity. I'm going to defy gravity. You're going to come down. You're going to come down. If you jump out that 10-story building and think that you're going to fly like Superman, guess what? You have just transgressed the law of gravity, and you will splat. That's all sin is. It's, tr- it's living your life or my life in a way that's not, out of accordance with God's laws. To every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. You can't change that. And if you try to live outside of that, you're going to get hurt. Right? The law of entropy. There are all kinds of laws of the universe. And if we transgress those laws, death could ensue. When we transgress the laws of God, which are established, the spiritual laws of God are established. (laughs) Am I making sense? I hope for some of us, it changes our understanding of what sin is. But the wages of sin, in other words, the result of going against God's established laws, will kill you. Now, there's some more good news coming. Okay? But you've got to understand that concept before we can get into the following concepts. Okay? Everybody good? This is one of my more serious ones, okay? 1 John 2, 1 through 6. My little children, my little children, now that's relational. I am writing these things so that you may not sin. Okay, we just talked about what sin is. So instead of thinking about it, maybe the old way that you thought about it, think about it as getting outside of the things that God has established. It's like, well, I could go on about that. I mean... When I first started, well, a little bit after I first started working in construction, doing carpenter work, learning all that kind of stuff about building and uh, building homes, there, there was a guy I was working with, very experienced guy and older. Some of the things he said were like, ooh, and some of the things were good, you know. And he talked potty mouth and, you know, different things. But anyway, I tried to learn the good things and leave the other things, you know what I mean? Well, he pulled out a hammer and a screwdriver, and he says, which one's a screwdriver? And, of course, I pointed to the screwdriver. And he says, oh, no, this is a screwdriver. And he held up the hammer. And it's like I knew I was in trouble right there, right? He says, 
This is a screwdriver. Holds up the screwdriver and says, this is a screw, a screw extractor. That's misuse of, of the product. And when we sin or transgress the law or do things that we were not designed to do, <laughs> we're trying to make a camera a screwdriver. And it will not work. We're not designed as humans. God knows how he designed us, and he told us how he designed us. And he told us what behaviors are good and healthy for us. And so it's not like, well, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. I love this. I mean, here it is again. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know, by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. We know it if we do it. We see it. We can see the results, right? It's good. We know that our car is rolling if we get from point A to point B. It's just, you know, it's evidence. It's evidence. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Oh, my goodness. Can we just take this book out of the Bible? No. <laughs> he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, watch this, the love of God has truly been perfected. Oh, God, help us. By this we know that we are in him. By this we know that we are in Him. We see the evidence, even in our own behaviors. Right? This is not condemnation. This is just the reality of a relationship with a living God who has given us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? It's resultant behavior of one who truly believes. Man. And I'm not the judge of that, y'all. I am not. The righteous judge. I'm just me. But there is one who can do that. And by his Holy Spirit, he can help us see it and understand it and embrace it. This freedom, this grace that we walk in and live in. In him, the love of God has truly been perfected. In other words, it's completed. It's working out. This whole working out your salvation in fear and trembling. It's, it's having its way. God is having his way with us, if you will. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Wow. James. This is another book they all rip out. No, just kidding. James 4, 1 through 3. What is the source of quarrels? We're talking about relationship. And we're talking about guidelines. And we're talking about evidences of the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? You believers? Is it not the source? Is not the source of your pleasures? Selfishness, if you will. That wage war in your members? You lust and do not have. So you commit murder. And that can just be with your mouth. That can just be slander. That can be, you know, just putting somebody down, rejecting someone. It's, it's a murderous act. Are you with me? You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight 
and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you, watch this, may spend it on your pleasures. Selfishness absolutely destroys relationships. God our Father has set us free through His Son, His Son Jesus, to enjoy relationship with Him and with others. And there are some effective guidelines spelled out for us. Here we go. Are you ready? This is some practical stuff. Now, I want to preface this with, this is not performance-based acceptance. You don't do these things and then are accepted by God. You are first accepted by God because His Son purchased you. Amen? Amen? And then the results of His presence in your life are these things. They produce this kind of relationship that we can enjoy with Him and with one another. But there are some things that you can look at. It's like reading the gauges on your car. You know? Cars used to not have the little bells that say, you are going too fast. Or, did you remember to put on your seatbelt? Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's someone coming up in your blind spot. Huh? Your door is ajar. No, it's not. It's a door. <laughs> but we used to have gauges. Which are kind of cool. Some still do. But it's, it's just an indicator. You just have it. I mean... You can't take your hot gauge and turn it down and the engine cool down. It's still going to be hot. I don't care what you do with the gauge. But when you change what's inside, when you realize, when you see things happening, and you go, oh, God, oh, God, basically, I've sinned. I mean, I'm not living according to your design, and I'm messing up, and it's going to kill me. And, like, let me know what I need to do. Let me know how I need to posture myself with you. Let me know what I need to believe. Let me know. Let me know. Tell me. Tell me. So here we go. First John 2. Picking up in verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Good advice. Good advice. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, you hear that word again, and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Wow. His will is that you believe. We're going to get there. Have patience with me. And we have the privilege of living forever, beginning now in the love of God, our Creator and Father. In 1 John 3, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. Is that not amazing? See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, has lavished on us. Talks about in Ephesians. That we would be called children of God. And such we are. You're not called a Methodist. You're not called a Baptist. You're not called a Catholic. You're not called a... You're called a son of God. 
That's family. That's relationship. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. He says it again. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Interesting statement. Purifies himself just as he is pure. Jesus is pure. Now, just bear with me now. We're going to get to the place you want me to get, some of you. Everyone who practices sin, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. You know, you're not abiding by the laws. God has said And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Or you could say, the righteous one, the one who believes and has the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, practices righteousness, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy, not just push away for a little while, right? Destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. Man, it's like he must really mean this. Because his seed, watch this. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. If you don't get anything else, get this. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, God's seed, Jesus' seed, abides in him. Are you with me? Is that not good? Wow. That's a lot of hope. Because it could have said, no one who is born of God practices sin because he's so good. Or he's so powerful. Or I'm, I'm just really smart. You know, and I can avoid all the issues. No. No. It's because his seed abides in you and in me. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. We have his DNA. By this, the children of God, children of God, there's that relational thing, and the children of the devil are obvious, obvious. There's a resultant behavior. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Oh, my goodness. You had to throw that in. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. It's all about me and someone else is to blame. Verse 13. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know we have passed out of death into life. We know. And this is the same guy that's been talking. You've got to put this together. That he's not contradicting himself here. But he's completing the thought. Right? Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brethren. Oh, that's the gauge. That's the gauge on my dashboard. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. 
And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Y'all, that's big. That's big. It didn't say, for the brethren you like. just said the brethren. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now I say, oh, I did that one. <clears throat> but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Oh, man, you didn't have to go there. You didn't have, this, now you're affecting my pocketbook, you know? Right? This is my stuff. No, it's not your stuff. Not my stuff. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are in the truth or of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Why do we do those things? Because we are His seed. Because we have His DNA. Because we have been delivered from death. And been introduced to life. It's not the other way around. Because if you think it's the other way around, you're on the same merry-go-round over and over and over. Or you're like my dad used to say, you're just changing horses. But you get off that merry-go-round and we realize the love of God is in us when we believe. And that we will see it. Don't let your heart condemn you. Trust in the Lord. In this verse 23, this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything flows out of that. And love one another just as He commanded us, which is a result of our relationship with Him. Somebody answer that. The one who keeps his commandments, it may be God. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. In other words, you can tell if you're a keeper of the commandments, which are simply the laws that God has established as relational, spiritual, holy, just, right, righteous. The design for his children, they're good. Don't go against them. Don't. Don't try to go. You won't if you truly believe and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who, you know, a lot of people would like to just put in there just as he suggested. Think about it. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We abide in him. He abides in us. Get lost in the pronouns. We know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Isn't that good? How reassuring. By the Spirit, we know He abides in us. 
And if he abides in us, we keep his commandments. When we see we are keeping his commandments by loving one another, we can be assured that he abides in us and we in him all by the spirit. Second Peter, this is the last page. We just done 16 pages. How do you feel? Just kidding. <laughs> Second Peter 1, 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. Y'all, that's a mouthful. But that sets everything in perspective. In fact, I would encourage you to read that over and over. Read it in a bunch of different translations and paraphrases until it settles so deeply in our hearts that we believe it. We can love one another from a pure heart. Practice it. Man, is that not great? For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That's powerful. Having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, listen to this. This is not Peter putting us back under the law. This is the way it works for a believer who has been given the divine nature of God himself. Lord, I look at my life and I'm, I'm reading this and I'm saying this and I'm thinking, man, I need to keep practicing. <laughs> you know, you ever feel like me? Yeah, I just need to, I need to keep practicing. Practicing who I really am in the Lord, right? Just practice it. So here we go. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nation, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this reason, also applying all diligence. That's you. That's me. Apply all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. Because you can. Because he's there. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And didn't it say that we know him? That we know him. That's the knowledge he's talking about. And in your, in your supply. Oh, in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your knowledge, self-control. Self-control. That's you controlling yourself. And you can't say like Flip Wilson. Don't make me do it. Y'all, some of y'all are old enough to remember that. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. That gum, that relational thing just keeps popping up. And in your brotherly kindness, and this is the pinnacle. This is the deep stuff. This is the stuff that God is all about. And in your brotherly kindness, love. 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 
I think the worship team could learn that. <laughs> For if these qualities are yours, and they are, and are increasing, that's up to you, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That true knowledge. Or read it this way. They render you both useful and fruitful. I like it in the positive rather than the double negative. Just, just saying. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his, watch this, purification from his former sins. Whoa. Now, who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who purifies you from your former sins? Jesus, the blood of Christ is the only thing. The only thing that can possibly do that. And then we have the opportunity to add all this other stuff. Therefore, brethren, but don't forget that. Don't forget that, because if you forget that, you're going to start into that crazy cycle of performance-based acceptance. And it will kill you. It'll kill you. It'll take all the wind out of your sails. I'm running late. It'll wear you out. Who said that? Oh, Tim. Amen, brother. But don't forget your purification from your former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. And let me remark that this is not talking about going to heaven when you die. This is about the eternal kingdom that is all around you. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. It is all around. And you can walk in and out of that kingdom. The reality of that kingdom, living in that kingdom. But our choice because of Jesus is that we find this way. It's the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It will be abundantly, watch this, supplied to you. That means somebody else does it. He does it. He does it. We just posture ourselves. Are you with me? I'm sorry it's so long. And I'm sorry, Sincere, I didn't have very many jokes in this one. But, you know, I'm funny enough just standing there. Um, yeah. First John 1, this is the last, um, last scripture. And it's a short one, just 5, 6, and 7. You know what it means when the preacher said this is the last scripture? Nothing. <laughs> no, but this is true. This is true. <laughs> This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and announced to you that God is light. And in them, this is a, a refresher, in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We just read about Peter saying practice. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Y'all, that's huge. So, be diligent to practice and enjoy fellowship with each other. Be diligent to practice and enjoy fellowship with each other. If you have a chance, don't walk to the other side of the room. Walk, walk right up to somebody. If you have an opportunity, be diligent. 
can have conversation. And remember, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about him and his family. When you start acting like his kids, be diligent to practice and enjoy fellowship with another. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's been made possible through the blood of Jesus, which, if we choose to accept it, cleanses us from all sin. Now, we can deny our lusts and love one another from pure heart. Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, or deed, or, but in deed and truth. Practice godly interaction with his body. Practice it. Walk in his light. You won't stumble. And it's great fellowship. After all, it's relational. It's relational. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can come to you and call you Father. That we can sit in your lap and call you Abba Father and know that you love us. And that you've given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. That you have cleansed us from all sin. That you have purified us. That that it's amazing what you've done by your death, burial, and resurrection. God, thank you. Teach us to walk in your ways. Inspire us and empower us to love one another. Amen. Share the love, y'all. Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean drive a Subaru. But you can if you want to. (laughs) Yes, if anyone would like prayer, please, there will be folks up here that would love to pray with you and encourage you. If you have any questions... Of me. Write them down. (laughs) Give them to me later. No, I'm kidding. You can ask me questions. Hey.